Welcome to Let's Talk Real Estate. I'm your host, Anna Olsisi, serial entrepreneur, passionate marketer, and partner at Segway Group at Keller Williams Realty Gainesville. On the podcast, you will find valuable information about all things real estate, plus some fun stories told by a variety of guests. So if you like what you hear, then subscribe and invite any friends who you think may get some value from listening. everybody to this week's Let's Talk Real Estate podcast. Today we have special guests because they are former customers of ours and I really got to I got the chance to know them several years ago and was very impressed by their financial status at a very young age. So Without further ado, I'm going to introduce and give you a little background about uh, Lauren and Stephen Keyes. They describe themselves as middle age or middle, not age, middle class millennials who at the age of 29 essentially found financial freedom at a time when most people find themselves buried in a mountain of debt. So with just a few tweaks to their spending and saving habits, this young couple managed to save enough to buy their first home for cash in their mid-20s, which is when I met them. They quit their full-time jobs, and then they proceeded to travel like a pair of retirees. Their blog, it's called Trip of a Lifestyle, and it offers a unique take on personal finance and adventure that can help you save money, travel more, and live free. So really, who doesn't want that? And today, they're joining us to share the pluses and minuses of purchasing their home outright and the lessons they've learned during the past three years. So welcome, Lauren and Steven. How are you guys? Doing good. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My pleasure. So is there anything that I left out of the introduction that you want to tell the audience about yourselves? No, your intro was great. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good, good, good. Uh, Happy, happy, always happy when that happens. So uh, yeah, okay, great, great. Well, um, you've you've actually written a couple of really great uh, blog posts uh, that I sort of want to combine into one, um, I mean, brief, because we're not going to go on for hours and hours, but just to give people a taste of your housing philosophy and saving philosophy basically why you chose to buy your house, your condo for cash uh, back in the day, and the pluses and minuses of doing that. So do you want to just dive right into that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, just to give a little context, I guess, to that, Mm -hmm. we bought our our condo when we were 25 and 26. And we had just gotten back from six months in Hawaii at that time. So like sort of the backstory on that is, is we were both working like our kind of our first like full time jobs for like a long period of time before that, Um, you know, fresh out of college and stuff. I was a high school teacher. I was doing marketing for a financial company. Yeah. And so we, we basically, we were living like near Orlando at that time. And we had sort of just continued our college lifestyle of like, you know, living super cheap, sharing like a one bedroom apartment, sharing one car. And I bike to work every day, you know, not eating fancy, not eating out, all that stuff. And so we kind of found ourselves saving like way more than half of like our full time adult incomes, which were kind of like fresh out of college and saving all this money because we just hadn't increased our spending at all. So we had kind of accumulated, you know, six figures at that point. And so we we decided to take a break for our honeymoon because we had just Mm -hmm. recently gotten married. So we took six months. We went to Hawaii 
And our goal while we were there was kind of just to like, just scrape by. Instead don't of, spend the money we just saved. Yeah. Don't spend it. <laughs> instead of Instead of like, saving tons and tons like we had been doing we just wanted to slow down and just just work just enough to barely fund our lifestyle and just come back without having touched any of those savings wow. so all that worked out um that that went according to plan and then right after that that's when we met you um mm -hmm. so we we moved back to gainesville which was our college town so we were looking for a place and we figured well we have you know some money in the bank not like a crazy crazy amount of money but enough that if we looked at a really cheap, you know, housing option, we could pay pay for it in full if we wanted to, especially because Gainesville is a pretty affordable place to live. Mm -hmm. Well, compared to Hawaii, yeah, it sure yeah, is. Yeah, de definitely. And, and Orlando. And I mean, Orlando. Yeah, yeah that's you're true. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really affordable compared to most places. It's just a lot of people don't really think that because they think it's just a college town. So there are, you know, only college apartments here. And so that's, Sometimes people get confused about that, but you managed to find one that was fantastic and semi-college-y, but also professional. Anyhow, continue because it's fascinating how you did this. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. So, so we came back from Hawaii. We had, you know, six figures in investments. And uh, so we figured like, well, in Gainesville, you can actually afford a decent house for $100,000 or less even. Mm -hmm. So we started looking around and, and we found this condo that we're in right now well, you, talking you to you found from. this condo. you found it yeah you i, I say we you found collectively the yes yeah <laughs> and so it was it was seventy one thousand dollars kind of a high hoa fee but um it was really cheap really in our price range and it's big it's a three two um it was perfectly located for us um you know very close to the university while also being close um enough to downtown as well which is where i ended up getting a job at the time we had just moved back so we didn't actually have employment like secured in Gainesville yet we were planning to just kind of continue to do some freelance work while we found full-time jobs and so having that flexibility of oh well I can work kind of anywhere because this is pretty centrally located mm -hmm. you know in town was important to us too and let me tell you you got a deal on that thing <laughs> I think <laughs> we definitely did because nowadays that has gone up significantly so another wise investment on your part that's for yeah, sure. it's, it's easily over 100 now for sure so easily easily yeah, yeah for sure so, there so you at that point when we were thinking about buying a home you know a little a little before we met you actually the mm -hmm. question in our minds was like okay well if we want to buy a place should we just pay for it outright or should we like get a mortgage like most people do and make payments and stuff like that and we had the option between the two mm -hmm. so Obviously, we pretty much decided early on that we were going to pay cash if we bought a place. And mm -hmm. it's good that we did because being jobless in Hawaii for six months probably doesn't help you qualify for a mortgage. I don't, I don't know. But. <laughs> oh, probably not. <laughs> um, but So we, we decided to pay cash. And it was an interesting sort of discussion there that I think not a lot of people really give the time of day to when they have that option, which mm -hmm. is, you know, by paying cash a lot of people think that what you're doing is foregoing paying interest and therefore saving a ton of money. Like it, it makes you come out better in the end. Right. 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 And, right. and that's not really the full analysis because mm -hmm. uh, you know, what people don't sometimes think about is the opportunity cost of the money that you're sinking in all at once. Because if we hadn't, you know, written a check for $71,000, 
and we had just put down a 20% down payment or something like that, we could have taken the difference and invested it somewhere else, like for example, in the stock market. Exactly. And, and if we had earned a return in the stock market equal to just the average return of like 10% over the last century or whatever, um, you know, that easily outpaced the interest we were paying on the mortgage, which would have been probably around 4% or something at the time. If you actually think about that, it actually makes the case for taking the mortgage even when you can pay cash because you'll come out ahead in the long run because you're earning dividends and capital gains on your stock market investment while you still own the house, get to live in it, not pay rent and experience appreciation on your property, right? Exactly. Ideally, but yeah. Right. Ideally, yeah. ideally. Yeah. So that's, that's really the key word because what ran through our minds at the time was risk, right? Do we want to take that risk? Um, we really enjoyed being in a place of like complete financial freedom, debt free, not having to worry about market crashes affecting us in a crazy way. And I think the other thing that people sometimes don't realize is if you do take that approach, if, if you do take a mortgage in order to invest more money, you're putting yourself in a leverage position, right? Mm -hmm. Where you've essentially borrowed money to invest in the stock market, which is kind of a crazy thing when you think about <laughs> it that way. Like that's not yeah. something that most people are comfortable doing. Right. So when you think about it that way, like if you think about if you own a home and you own an equivalent amount of stock, if the market tanks, like something crazy happens, like in 08, 09 type of situation. Which we also live through. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and if something like that happens and all assets across the board go down by 50%, you're, you're essentially getting wiped out um, immediately if something mm -hmm. like that happens, if you're in a leveraged position. Because you've got all this stock, you've got this home, and your net worth is only equal to one of those two things. So you, you can easily get wiped out pretty quickly, mm -hmm. although in the long run, theoretically, you should make more money. Yes. And everything goes back up. Yeah. There, historically, you know. <laughs> exactly. And, and it does. And it did, obviously. And it did. Yeah. And it did. So, so, so yeah. we took an honest look at that on our blog and, and we kind of like delved into the numbers. And what we figured out is that I think at the time I wrote the post, we had, it had been 50 months, five zero months since the time we bought our condo. And I was just kind of curious to do the math because it's a, it's a problem that not many people think about uh, <laughs> to see, well, how much did we lose out on by not taking a mortgage, which, which is like the opposite of what people think. They think like, oh, you paid cash, you won big time. Right. No, we actually <laughs> lost money on the deal because the stock market did go up from there as, mm -hmm. as it's expected to, actually better than it's expected to in reality. And it turns out that over 50 months, you know, so just over four years, we, on our $71,000 investment, we could have made about an additional nineteen dollars to $20,000 by going the mortgage route over that mm. period of time. So we're actually, we say we're poorer today for <laughs> having paid cash for our house, which is kind of funny. Right. Yeah. Well, you're richer in knowledge. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There you go. <laughs> well, so the other thing that we're richer yeah. in is experiences because, yeah. because by the fact that we knew we weren't taking like such a large risk on mm -hmm. leverage, we felt more confident doing things that we probably otherwise wouldn't have done. Like since then, we left our jobs again and went on a seven month adventure to visit every single mm -hmm. national park. Yes. And we would never have done that. We would never have had the courage to quit our jobs if we were in a position where if the market tanked, we, were, we would be worth zero dollars <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And so there you go, the pros and cons of 
you know, being able to do that. And I guess was the risk worth the reward? You can always say in retrospect that it wasn't worth it because the stock market went up and nothing went wrong. Right, right. right. But but the question is, would we have made the same lifestyle decisions along the way? Probably not. So that's what you got to think about. It's it's really just like a question of comfort and risk tolerance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we just find that most people don't tend to really know their risk tolerance. I mean, very recently with um, the way the stock market has been kind of taking dips and rebounding, a lot of people had to really come face to face with what they actually are comfortable with um, when they see their portfolios change so dramatically in the last uh, couple of months that we've had here. And so, um, you know, I've seen a lot of chatter among, you know, friends, colleagues, um, Twitter, (laughs) um, with, with folks kind of not as comfortable as maybe they thought they were when they actually do have to come face to face with those changes in their portfolio. Definitely. And I think it also, you know, it's, it goes with age, right? And and your station in life. So, you know, you're more willing probably to to take a risk with something like that if you are younger and don't have kids. So where I am, you know, and you've got somebody, you know, we're saving for retirement, but we're we've got a kid going to college. And you can't just be playing fast and loose, you know, in, in a high risk situation with your money. Yeah. Um, it's all about stages in life and what, you know, you're willing um to deal with. I know my husband's risk averse. Like he, he totally wants us to have complete security and he's built a life where we do have that, you know, he's been able to do that. And therefore I have been able to be the opposite, <laughs> but you know, that's a luxury. So just really knowing where, where your comfort level is for those uh, really would drive what you would do. Yeah. And I mean, for, for people, you know, in their twenties or whatever, you know, where we were, when we made that decision, the question mm-hmm. is like, okay, do you put all your money into a house and the rest in the stock market? Or do you mm-hmm. get a mortgage, have the house and have additional money in the stock market that you borrowed on the mortgage for? Mm-hmm. But for someone in their 60s or 70s, the question is even more conservative than that. It's like, well, mm-hmm. do I even want to be in the stock market at all anymore? You know, like right. it's a completely different question. So it totally depends on your stage of life, like you said. Yeah. And also what kind of life decisions you plan to be making. I mean, for us, we kind of have always had this goal of, you know, retiring early. And so that put us in a probably more conservative thought process with investing um, than maybe someone in our age bracket whose time horizon is retiring by 60. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so yeah, you have to know yourself, know your goals. And I think that that's important in general, just in life and then how that reflects, you know, with the housing choices that you make as well. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting that you mentioned um, housing choice because for us, this location was really important, um, not just because, you know, we chose Gainesville because we, we like Gainesville. Um, you know, there's a lot to offer. And in our opinion, you know, there's nature, there's culture here because of the university, there's, um, you know, growing uh, industries here um, in tech and and whatnot. Um, We've got friends here with young children, so we get to be a part of their lives. But um, because it is a college town and because of where we're located in particular, this house is also a good investment in the future. We were able to rent out our unit when we did go on our road trip to all the Mm -hmm. national parks. And it was actually pretty easy because there was significant demand. I mean, we, 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 we were just trying to do it like, you know, by owner, we put it on Craigslist. And I mean, we tried to do it early 
And I think we started listing our house in like October for January and people were like, we want to move in now. And I'm like, no, no, can't do that. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. it's interesting. We kind of had that in mind. We knew that, yes, this is a good deal. It was a good deal up front. It was a good location up front, but mm-hmm. kind of looking beyond that, it was also a good option for, for potential renters. I mean, we've even had, um, you know, friends rent out a room with us. We've had, we've rented out the whole unit. I mean, it's done well for us in that regard as well. Thinking about real estate, not just as kind of people want their perfect home. You know, this was our first house and it's done amazingly also as an investment. And we've, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. see that trend continuing if and when we do sell this place or continue to rent it out, it would be good for either of those purposes. Right. For people who like to travel a lot, and especially who th- see themselves maybe doing long-term travel, buying your home as if you were buying a investment rental property makes a lot of sense. If right. you if you buy the house that you're going to live in, assuming that it has to be a good investment property, then it will be one when it's time to move out and let somebody else live there for a while while you go off and travel. And, and we did mm-hmm. do that and it was successful. So it's mm-hmm. something to think about. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I'm glad you said that because that's something that I often tell people when they're asking me, well, is this house, you know, it's like, they're talking about their personal house. Is this a good investment? You know, yes and no. So a personal home, if you're going to do what you're talking about, yes, you need to look at it as an investment. If you are going to live there and basically staycation there. And this is going to be where you're going to be all the time. It's not necessarily an investment so much as you're buying it for yourself. You're yeah, buying it to live there. But actually, this is a good transition because you wrote a different blog post um, that really talks about housing costs. And, you know, you're going into, you know, living with other people possibly and, you know, and the area choosing a lower cost of living area. And, and a I want to touch on those as well um, because, you know, they go hand in hand with what we were just discussing. So um, can you, you know, do you mind transitioning to that? Okay, great, great. Yeah, we touched a little bit on on some of those things in terms of, you know, why we chose Gainesville as, you know, kind of a lower cost of living option. But yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, in, in trying to save more than half our income on teacher salary levels, you know, and stuff like that, obviously we've come up with a lot of hacks for how to save money. So in in selecting this place, like we said before, we picked it because it, it was cheap, frankly. <laughs> uh, we were looking for something under $100,000. And, and the less the less you buy, you know, the more you can save. So aside from that, though, you know, along the way, uh, we have a 3-2 condo and we're just two people with no kids, which right. honestly, like we thought like, oh, we need a room for people to come stay in or whatever. Well, that's what our parents kept saying. <laughs> That they'll come visit and... But I mean, even if people come visit, it's like, you know, randomly one night or whatever, something like that. And you really, you just think... Maybe a handful of times a year. (laughs) You think you need more space than you do, and you really don't. So we had way too much space here, honestly. Um, And so we rented out an extra bedroom to friends on two separate occasions while we lived here. Yeah. And, you know, that brought in like an extra 500 bucks a month for some period of time, which is great. I mean, it, it... Yeah. What you got to remember is like, once your house is paid for, like all the additional money that comes in is just like, it's just extra money. It's just profit. So icing on the cake. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome. Yeah. So like, while we didn't need to do that, quote unquote, 
it really boosted us forward financially. And I think people think like, well, I'm married now, so I don't have roommates anymore. Like, well, that doesn't have to be the case. Society might have some kind of weird taboo about that, but that doesn't mean you can't make your own individual decisions about things like that. Especially if it's going to help you get to a goal, you know, even if you are single and you want to buy a house because it's a good, you know, investment in your future potentially, Mm -hmm. or, you know, you just want to, cut out rent costs or it might be cheaper for whatever reason even when you're a working professional having roommates can help you afford that that kind of lifestyle and help you get to that goal yeah oh absolutely and i think with your generation moving into like having homes getting past you know living with parents and college and all of that it's more accepted to do things like that i think you know the previous generations just it wasn't like that, right? Like you got your house and it was for your family and that's that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and it's so much smarter to be able to do <laughs> to do what you've done because now you've got all this spending money that you didn't have before and you're losing I mean you're not you're not losing anything on that. You know, it's just mm-hmm. it's, a, it's already it's a room that's already there. Right. Um yeah. so um and if you're just like recently out of college and you start, suddenly have your own place then you're kind of used to that anyway. So how different would it really be? Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah. That's been a huge boon for us was just mm-hmm. like kind of, we always say we, we just continued the college lifestyle on beyond college. And, and that's, mm-hmm. that really, that one thing pretty much sums up how we got pretty far ahead compared to other people is just mm-hmm. not upgrading our lifestyle from, from college. You know, a lot yeah. of people, they get their first job and with that salary that their first real salary they want everything that goes along with it, they want a new car. Yeah. And I'm like, did your car work before? Like, why do you need an, you know, just, just yeah. because that's one of the boxes that ended up on yeah. the like societal sheet that you have to check off. It might not be the best choice for you. And that's true for, for housing as well. If you, you know, I think cohabitation is like a po- becoming more popular, like even in cities right. and like the way that they have like hotels that are like, here's some co-working space and all you have upstairs mm-hmm. is like a, a bed. <laughs> like right. you know, those yeah, are that's yeah. that that is a trend that's becoming more popular with younger generations. And I think that that might be a good thing for their pocketbook in the future. Um, if they're used to that and they don't mind that and they can make that choice with having a roommate and buying a home and that sort of thing. For sure. And then you're not like tied to a place forever because mm-hmm. you can do things like travel, which again, I think is something that's generational. Like I think it's much more appreciated by um, the younger generation. I'm seeing it, which I think is, it's a fabulous thing. I think it's something that should you should do. Why be tied to a place when you can work remotely, when you can, you know, make rent, you know, passive income from a place that you already own and have people living there when you're not there and, and then live the life that you want to live, whether it's whatever traveling or just visiting a different area and staying there for a while or whatever like literally the the options really are endless and again it goes back to like determining what you want to do in life mm-hmm. and then working you know toward that goal but um but it's really cool that you guys you know you've been able to do that early on in the game you did it s- smartly <laughs> intelligently <laughs> you worked smart not hard but you probably did work hard too so you know <laughs> yeah yeah so something that you say which we sort of touched on but i really want to emphasize is buying less than you can afford and that is just so important and and i want to drive that into 
the people listening, not because I want people to necessarily buy like super cheap houses or something, but it's also so important to do that for a variety of reasons. One, because you never know when something's going to go wrong with a house and you have to pay for it out of pocket. And then there you go. Like you've maxed out your budget, but, but just also for your financial future, you know, that that's key. I mean, you went a few thousand dollars under your budget. And even though you, I guess, net net quote lost money on buying it cash you still didn't max it out either you know can can you expand on that or have i basically said everything there is to say about that yeah i i mean so i think there's uh, several ways to look at the word afford Mm -hmm. right so i think the traditional way to look at the word afford when you talk about real estate is you go to a lender and you present them your information and you ask them how much you can afford which I, right. I think yeah. is, personally, I think is the worst way you can possibly determine <laughs> how much you can afford. That will give you the absolute upper bound on what is humanly possible. Exa- right, yes, yes. Uh, that means that you would be borrowing the max amount that someone will let you borrow based on yeah. your future expected income plus mm-hmm. the savings you have in the bank. So. The lower, lower bound, um, you know, of what you ought to buy Mm -hmm. to give you the other extreme is literally how much cash do you have available to actually pay for a house with a check, right? Right. But most people have like $10,000. Right, right. (laughs) So, you know. Those are your two extremes. And I I think that that you don't have to go with either one of those. And you definitely shouldn't go with the upper bound extreme. You're you're kind of setting yourself up for disaster, in my opinion, by doing that. So so realistically, for most people, I think somewhere in between those two Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. is a realistic thing. You know, Mm -hmm. even if someone will offer you a mortgage with 0% down or something like that, like, you don't need to do that. You know, you want to make sure you have at least the 20% down payment. And you want to make sure that regardless of that, I mean, even if you can afford a 20% down payment, you got to ask yourself like, all right, I'm looking at this in terms of like, you know, can I afford this monthly payment on my mortgage or whatever? Mm -hmm. But that's kind of the wrong way to look at it, right? You want to look at like, am I eventually by the end of this mortgage, you know, I will have paid for the whole house, you know, I will have bought the whole thing plus interest. Mm -hmm. So Look at the price tag of the house, the actual yeah. price tag, you know, look at $300,000 and say, do I want to spend, legitimately spend $300,000 right. of my money plus, plus, plus interest right. over my lifetime? Like, yeah. do I want to do that? And is, is it worth that amount of money versus getting something smaller and maybe, you know, that I could put a bigger down payment on or, you mm-hmm. know, not feel squeezed on the payments every month? It's just... It's worth looking at. You you should just yeah. not not don't ask your lender how much you should borrow. Either. No, I I'm with you absolutely, and I think a responsible lender will actually advise you to do what you're saying because a responsible lender doesn't want you to max out everything that you can possibly buy. And, and really, and a lot of the lenders I work with don't do that. You know, they they actually they're very you know fiscally responsible. Sometimes the buyers choose otherwise, and you can't, I mean, you can only advise so much, right? You know, and I think another question to ask yourself is not even, can I afford 300000 Do I want to spend 300000 Why 
do I want to? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and and it's like, is it because of a status quo kind of thing, or is it because I I actually do need a house that it costs that much because I have an X size family that needs this much space? Okay, fine. Like I respect that for sure. You know, that makes sense. Or, or location. The, or location. Or you know, right, like school districts. Or hey, I want a pool. Or then there's the, because I feel like it. And then that's fine too. You know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But right. but it just, you know, you just have to really evaluate the psychology and, and also just, you know, your, your pocketbook and make sure that it's all these kind of work in your favor. So I would, uh, I would say that like price relative to location, I would even like push people to think about that a little more too. Uh, I think a lot of people think, well, I live in X city or my job is in X city or my family mm-hmm. is in X city. Therefore, I have to live in that city. I have no yeah. choice about it. And if that city is San Francisco, you know, <laughs> you're never going to own a home like No. So no. so, so <laughs> you got to realize that sometimes it's a tough choice, but what yeah. city you live in is a choice that you have. You do get to pick that. You know, I think a lot yeah. of times people look at us and they say well, you live in a city where you could buy a condo for $71,000 four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that never would have been possible in my town. Well, moving to Gainesville, Florida is an option that you do technically have available. It may be very difficult for you. It may be very easy for you, but it is an option on the table that you, you could at least consider. You could move to a lower cost of living area. Yeah, yeah. that choice could be you know, a temporary measure. Obviously, the transactional mm-hmm. cost of real estate kind of add up in the short term, but, you know, over several years of, you know, you trying to, if you're trying to get ahead financially, you know, Mm -hmm. being able to move to a lower cost of living area, maybe taking on a few roommates, it doesn't have to be a forever choice. It could be a choice that gets you ahead, gets you in a position where you can better afford the place that you really, really want to be. I mean, we loved living in California, but we recognize that like it's extremely yeah. overpriced. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, so that's crazy. But, like, there's, you know, there's there's a give and take yeah. in, in, in analysis that people have to do and a responsibility that people need to take on in their choices and the fact that they need to recognize they have them as well. Totally. And moving to a place like Gainesville, you can take a pay cut if you work in California and still probably have a better lifestyle here, yeah. you know, so net net it's, it's way better you yep. know, to, mm-hmm. to do that. Um, yeah, I know I have, so I'm from Miami. I have a lot of friends in Miami and they're all like, well, we can't move to Gainesville and, but they hate Miami. <laughs> and I, I don't mean to knock Miami. I'm just saying like, that's what they say to me. Right. You know, and they don't you know the traffic and this and that and the other, I'm like, you could probably do the exact same thing here that you do there. Um, it's just a matter of, of being willing to to take that leap and and that's you know a lot of people are are afraid of doing that or are set in their ways and you know that's that's fine but then they they'll never attain the financial freedom that you've attained so there (laughs) well interestingly with this whole coronavirus thing you know companies have been forced to get more comfortable with remote employees and there's more technology and people are Mm -hmm. seeing like oh it's actually not that bad we could do that I think it's going to open the door for a lot of people to to move to lower cost of living areas and keep Absolutely. their original job from another city and then just at that Peggy range. Make right. Events. That's true. That's true. Yeah. 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 And actually, in one of the other podcasts, I did do like these predictions for like what housing is going to look like in in 
the next wave. And it's going to be things like the dual offices, the suburbs. People won't care that much about living in the city, you know, and, and, but they're going to want their own amenities. Like, like I I am getting a lot of people right now who are like, well, I'd like, I, I need a house with a pool. And I was like, why? And they said, because of coronavirus, we have another pandemic. I need to have a place for the kids. I was like, okay, well, I'm, that actually makes a lot of sense, <laughs> but, but, you know, but then they're working from their house, wherever the, you know, their home is like right now, what is it? Twitter told everybody they can work from home or something like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they can, they can be in Gainesville work for Twitter. Yeah, I think the world, <laughs> the world's warming up to it. So it is, it is. So, so that's, you know, that's cool too. But yeah, but no pandemic will stop me from traveling. I know no pandemic will stop you eventually. From traveling. <laughs> eventually <laughs> so we'll get back to it. We will get back to it. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully sooner rather than later. But um, yeah, we'll see about that. What are, now that I said that actually, what are, what are your future plans? I mean, you, are you, you're continuing your blog, I hope, right? Yeah, yes. for sure. Okay. Oh. And, um, but do you, do you have trips planned? What, yeah. Yeah, we would, we would like to be traveling a lot more right now. Um, you know, that was kind of the plan was like step back from work and travel more and, you know, write more. We've been doing that and, and other stuff too, you know, we still do photography and we still have plenty of stuff to do. We're we're busy, but yeah, we're bummed out that we can't travel as much as we wanted to. And, but we're, we're playing it safe. We're waiting it out. We figure we have plenty of years ahead of us. I'm sure by, you know, next year we'll be taking some more fun trips. For now, we've been exploring things that are close by here in Florida, Mm -hmm. just taking day trips where you don't have to, you know, rely on tons of amenities and come into contact with millions of other people or anything like that. We're, we're just going, you know, you, you go to like a random beach that nobody's ever heard of in a state park or something like that. Nobody's there. You have the whole place to yourself. There's no risk of a virus and you just come back home you know, it's, it's like a two hour drive to the beach from here. So we've been doing stuff like that recently, but big travel, maybe, maybe end of year, maybe next year, we'll get back to it. There are 170 ish state parks in Florida. And now with them opening back up, there's definitely more to explore here. So that is something, you know, we, we outfitted our van for the national park trip. And so we still have that if we need to like, you know, nap or something, but you seeing as how it's summer in Florida, we're not really camping in the van right now. Um, So the day trips, so the day trips make a lot more sense for us right now, but, but it's been, it's been good. I mean, we've gone to, we've gone tubing down rainbow river. We've gone to a few different beaches, checked out some different parks. We've been to big shoals. They have rapids, which like in Florida, Florida. so so there's like, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, beauty here that you know when you live in florida when you live anywhere you can easily start taking it for granted um and so now that we're kind of you know our wings are clipped a little bit we're like well what's around here that we can really start to enjoy um and so we've been doing that a lot more (laughs) well good good and and what you're doing the most of nothing else is saving money so then you can use (laughs) you can enjoy you know even more travel in the future so that's that's very very cool Oh, good deal. Well, do you have any other thoughts, any last words that we didn't touch on? <laughs> Nothing comes to the top of my mind. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I'm sure you will in the future because I definitely would love to have you on again in the future for more insights, you know, about um, just real estate in general or, or planning a life 
that's worth living, really. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. so big. Yeah, I, I would say you know, it's, if anyone's listening who's interested in sort of like the financial story or how to get there themselves or something, and like lifestyle design kind of broadly, yeah. <laughs> especially you know younger people who have the advantage of like starting out in their twenties or thirties. We've recently published a page on our site called the Financial Roadmap that kind of oh. takes you from like if you had zero dollars to start with today and you wanted to be completely financially independent and retired in like roughly 10 years from now. It, it tells you like step by step how you could do that. Wow. And kind of our story is kind of we woven into that um, to kind of explain like why this is po- how this is possible and give an example yeah. of like our life, but also other, um, you know, other anecdotes as well. But um, it's a good cool. starting place for anyone who's like, I want to do whatever I want, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, and this might be a, a good path for them. That's awesome. That is very, very cool. So tripofalifestyle.com. Yep. Yep. Perfect. All right. So we will definitely tell people to, well, we are telling people to go there and, and check it out because how great would that be, you know, to be able to do all the, all the things that you've done and, and do them early enough so that, you know, you're not out there with a walker <laughs> trying to, you know, I mean, nothing wrong. Respect to people who do that definitely when they're old, but how great is it to be able to do it when you can just like climb a mountain or do whatever, you know, easily and freely. So, you know, that's, that's very, very, um, very cool and admirable. And uh, yeah. And if anyone listening wants to get in contact with us, you know, that's totally fine. That's great. We love to hear from people. We're on all the normal social media channels. It's trip of a lifestyle on like Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and on Twitter or T O a lifestyle. Okay. Okay, that's good to know because people would look for it otherwise. So (laughs) good deal. All right, very cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and enjoy your life. And and I will catch up with you again very, very soon. And hopefully we'll have travel stories to exchange next time. Definitely. Thanks for having us on. Okay, my pleasure. Absolutely. Well, thank you everybody for listening and we'll tune in next time. Thanks so much for listening today. If you like what you hear and want to learn more about real estate and hear the occasional funny story, then hit that subscribe button right now. And if you know of someone who'd benefit from listening, then tell them to subscribe too, or else they may feel a little left out. For questions, topic suggestions, or nice comments, send an email to Anna at SegwayRE.com. We can also connect on Facebook at SegwayRE. Thanks for listening as we bring you a new way of doing real estate.